Welcome to the global headquarters of the world's best capitalized bank in the world's best capitalized country. We are thrilled to talk to you about markets today. We have our public session and then we have uh, a private session for clients that's a little bit more on investment positions. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot going on in markets. One of the things that we're out there publicly saying is uh, energy stocks over tech stocks. That's working today. So we we uh, we were saying maybe we just give it a little mic drop and go home. No, we're not going to do that because there's so much to talk about today and so many interesting facets to this market. Um, and so I think to get into it, I am so pleased to have our cavalcade of stars with us. We have Mark Anderson, Dean Turner, and Nadia Lovell. And let's start into it, Mark. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Fed and the inflation scenarios? Thank you. Sure, Mark. Let's uh, let's kick it off here. And as you just said, it's certainly a very interesting market. We have earnings season kicking off in the U.S. We had an inflation report out of the U.S. that shocked most participants very recently. And if there's something that we've all gotten a lesson on this year, it's not to underestimate inflation at any sort of rate and also what central banks might do to try to get it under control. So on the first slide that I'm with us here today, we just try to observe what actually happened when we talk about inflation. So first of all, we've seen that in the US, we have moved from something that was more of a goods related inflation driven by commodity prices, a scarcity of products to a large extent into something that is really more embedded into the economy and more related to core inflation. That's what we see on the left hand side and the part that is quite worrying. And then I want to open it up and also just say that there's also a bit of a global phenomenon. So if we look at headline inflation levels across G7 countries on the right hand side here, we also see that we have seen kind of a steady line going up. So where do we go from here? So first of all, with commodity prices and a number of energy prices in particular having kind of leveled off, if not even falling very recently, we're expecting to see some of the headline inflation numbers down. However, what the central banks are keenly focused on is really what's going on with that core inflation rates that relates very much to kind of the labor market. On the next slide, I want to talk a bit about this kind of tight labor market, because while we've seen that hiring has certainly slowed, we're likely to hear from the earnings uh, results coming out and the forward guidance that hiring will certainly be lessened. We are seeing that the labor market remains historically tight as central banks hiking only works with a bit of a lag. So in a historical contact over the last four or five decades, as kind of shown here on the slide, is that we have the US unemployment rate at a three and a half percent uh, at a very, very low rate, which essentially means that labor is still difficult to get by and wages are growing. And it will take a little while for this to get out of the system and the Fed is very, very determined to kind of get us there. So what exactly is in the price and what is the Fed and other central banks trying to do on the following slide? I just wanted to kind of highlight that we have a Federal Reserve that is hiking currently at a 75 basis point uh, rate, which we're likely to see the European Central Bank do this week as well. And essentially, the Fed is likely to get us to at least 5% in our forecasts and the European Central Bank a bit above uh, 2%. And as you see here, it's really global central banks kind of driving this move upwards. And the reason that they're so persistently doing this is that they're very much worried that we're going to see uh, inflation is going to be embedded into the cycle in a wage setting process and also in the way that 
consumers are kind of expecting their wages to rise and for prices around them to kind of go up. And that's why at the moment we are actually forecasting for a mild recession in the US, a recession in Europe that I know that Dean is probably going to talk a little bit more about, so a global slowdown. So this is kind of an environment where we have been playing defense when it comes to the selection, like you mentioned before, Mark, energy over IT that Nadia, I'm sure, will talk more about. It also means that we've been protecting a bit more of the downside recently on overall equity markets. You see it in, in the positioning that we'll be talking about a little bit later. And we obviously love to play the upside as well, but right now we're looking for those opportunities to essentially arise. Uh, and what we're looking for to get a bit more constructive are some of the things that we laid out in this very recent CIO letter, which includes uh, a more uh, certainty around Fed cuts. So we want to see the US two-year yield uh, drop up to a level of around 100 basis points. Secondly, we want to see PMI's trough. They're not even at really recessionary levels yet, in particular in the US. We want to see that coming down and start to turn. And thirdly, some deep value to start to come out that we still think has a little bit of downside when we look at equities and, and risk credit. But with that, Mark, back to you. All right, Mark. Well, thank you for that uh, overview of what we're looking for ahead in the U.S. Uh, many eyes are turned to what's going on in Europe. Dean, are are we going to have a cold uh, winter here in Europe? Well, it's a great question, Mark. I think, um, look, when we're looking at the economy, um, it's certainly going to feel like a cold winter. Uh, the lead indicators are already pointing to quite a sharp slowdown. Started in the third quarter, but does seem to be picking up some speed uh, in the fourth quarter of this year. Now, you know, what we're trying to understand is how long this persists and actually how deep uh, the recession is going to be. It would be my expectation that it's still a relatively uh, mild recession uh, that we're going to see in Europe. It could persist for you know, two to perhaps uh, perhaps three quarters. Now, a lot of what's driving that is, as you've alluded to, it's, uh, it's the gas price. Um, look, you know, I'm an economist, not a meteorologist, so I can't really comment on you know, whether the winter is going to be uh, uh, colder than normal this year. Um, assuming it's not going to be the case and we get a pretty normal winter, then I wouldn't expect that uh, that we would have to see rationing uh, in Europe uh, the, of, of gas supplies this year. And, and that should mean that, you know, that recession that I've alluded to is relatively mild. But, you know, we have to be conscious of the risk here that uh, that we could see something a bit more meaningful if we uh, if we were to uh, sit, 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 see some disruption to gas supplies there. All right. And then uh, as many people who don't know you uh, may guess if they're on this call, uh, you have a <laughs> affinity for and uh, a connection to the UK. Can you drill down there a little bit? Are the problems of the UK, you know, just systemic, inevitable decline? Uh, what, what What's going on there? Yeah, sure. So, look, the UK has been in the news uh, with our um, seven-week experiment uh, with uh, with what's become known as trussonomics. Um, yeah, look, what what we saw uh, happening here, especially in the bond markets, I would like to think is very much a event that's unique to the UK. Um, especially what we saw with the uh, uh, blow up in the what what's now become famous LDI, liability-driven investment uh, pension markets. Yes. 
you know it, this this uh, this investment strategy is common in other countries but you know not to the extent that it was in the UK so those sharp moves that we saw in the bond market you know 50 basis points move in a day um, in, in 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 UK gilts you know that's that's something that we wouldn't expect to see uh, at, at any time those kind of sharp moves I think are behind us and you know what now that seven week experiment is over, what have we got in front of us? Well, we have a new prime minister, uh, we have a new cabinet, and the message I'm taking from that is that we should be in for a period of relative stability now. And, you know, if we look at the chart uh, on UK bond markets, I think that uh, what that uh, what that already tells us is that um, is that the gilt market is looking, is, is expecting that period of, uh, uh, of stability. We're now seeing yields in the UK are actually below where they were uh, seven weeks ago. So that means to me that you know the focus is going to turn much more back, much more back towards uh, uh, the Bank of England and other central banks, as Mark alluded to earlier. The ECB will hike by 75 basis points tomorrow. I think the Bank of England probably follows uh, in kind uh, with, 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 with a similar amount when it meets uh, in November. Now, you know, given all the focus on the UK, I think it's important to just uh, briefly mention the outlook for you know what's going on in UK markets. Um, what we've seen with every crisis in the UK, whether it's been Brexit, whether it's been you know this latest bond market shenanigans, sterling is always the conduit through which investors uh, in, investors express their hopes and fears. Let's say, and you know as I'm showing on the next chart, I think that um, what we're likely to see for the pound is you know a, a period of ongoing volatility, notwithstanding that uh, that, that that kind of Relative, uh, relative calm that we should see uh, on the political backdrop now. Now, a lot of the story of that is to do with central banks. You know, as we said, we're expecting all central banks to hike. Um, but you know, what we're likely to see in the UK and and, and Europe as well is that we're still likely to be behind the uh, behind the Federal Reserve. So, with that in mind, it's probably going to take some time until we see uh, some recovery uh, in, uh, in 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 sterling. Now, you know, the other big key part of uh, of, of when looking at the UK is the stock market. You know, it's still uh, it's still internationally recognised stock market, not as big as it used to be, but uh, um, but still uh, still counts uh, somewhat nonetheless. Um, you know, the UK market, interestingly, we quite like. You know, the UK market is not the UK economy. Um, I can't emphasise that enough. Um, and you know, a lot of the themes that we like, as Mark alluded to earlier, you know, kind of being a little bit more defensive in this market. The UK is uh, is uh, plays that theme quite well. It has very high weight things to sectors we like such as energy healthcare um, staples as well so you know on that on that front it looks like a, a, a good place to kind of shelter in these turbulent times but the other point I just finally add to that is that you know given the UK stock market is a very international market 75% of revenues come from overseas what we're seeing in sterling in terms of weakness is actually of a benefit to the UK market all right Dean Thank you for that uh, view on Europe and the UK. And now we're gonna get stuck into it on US stocks. And for that, we are going to conclude the public portion of our broadcast. So thank you very much. Make it a great day. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only.
As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.